Viva Las Vegas. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It is currently 1.45 in the morning, so technically Saturday. And you know what? I just got back from gambling for the very first time. Is my checking account currently a gamble? Perhaps. Did I bet a single dollar of my own money? Absolutely not. Um, But listen, the house is always going to win. And the house I'm in right now is a hotel room here in Vegas for BravoCon. So I just wanted to kind of give you a little recap of the day. You're going to be getting longer um, deep dives with some fellow content creator pals throughout the weekend. And I just could not rest my little baby blues without saying hi from the place where magic happens. And by that, I do not mean Las Vegas. I 100% mean BravoCon. So I felt I had a little bit of an indication that things were going to be okay on the flight on the way here because I really did consider it BravoCon Air. Um, As you guys know, I finalized plans to come to BravoCon extremely late in the game, extraordinarily late in the game, um, literally days ago. So getting myself, spackling, shellacking myself together for this merry little go around was a journey. And I'm so, so glad I did it. And in large part, I think because of your encouragement and me just being like, you know what? life's a gamble. You know what I'm saying? So like, what's a couple shekels? I mean, it's quite literally a couple shekels. But um, but I'm so glad I came. And I honestly have to tell you, I flew from New York. I don't even know what day of the week is technically Saturday, but it's it's late Friday night. Flew from New York last night. So Thursday night. And on my flight, I walked onto the plane. And I saw Dolores in full glam. I saw Polly next to her smiling ear to ear. Wouldn't you if you were in a long-term relationship with Dolores Catania? I mean, every day would be honestly a miracle. I saw um, Girl With No Job directly in front in first and then assembled to my seat, which was supposed to be the 33rd row. But thanks to a lovely ticket agent, I got bumped up to like the 17th, which was great. Um, Traveled with two herniated discs and some hip mishigas. So I came up with the great idea of literally driving to the airport with an ice pack literally essentially in my sweatpants to just try to get my back ready because ice with a back injury is just chef's kiss. So I did that until I was literally going through TSA. And then switched over once I threw it in the trash, switched over to a makeshift um, ice pack that the flight attendants were lovely and kind enough to make for me to just keep myself again with like a special lumbar disc. Anyway, so at one point I have to switch out the makeshift ice pack because I didn't realize. I was like, ooh, it's very chill right now, but almost a little too chill. And I realized it had spilled onto my seat, which was less of an issue at that moment when I told my seatmate, I was like, I just want to clarify that this is water from ice because there was a little bit of a puddle. And, um, and I really didn't think anything more of it until I was, um, 
you know, getting up from my seat after we landed, perfect landing as always. I mean, shout out Delta, and was talking to someone, um, a lovely AG and Bravo Holic. Of of course, wearing my Send It to Daryl hoodie, equal parts because of BravoCon, and honestly, it's like the most comfortable hoodie of all time. And was talking to someone, and then realized that um, the bag had broken once again, and my the back of my pants were. Um, a tender, a tender, watery kind of situation. And I thought to myself, this is really quite a sight for the people behind me. And I just couldn't put up a banner that said, welcome to BravoCon. And this is from ICE. That did not happen. But ICE, ICE, baby, got to tell you, when I was allowed to go to first class from steerage, which was the middle of the plane, perfectly lovely, um, I was talking to the flight attendant because obviously he needed to know the entire story of my back injury. And we've got nothing but time. Where's he going to go? You know what I'm saying? And so I told him whatever in detail and, you know, making jokes, go back to my seat. Then I find out because, you know, we're all chit chatting. We're on our Delta Wi-Fi or whatever the fuck. Find out, um, come to pass because I had posted who was on the flight that Aaron and Abe were also on first. And I think that they boarded in first rather. I think that they boarded after me, which means they probably heard a significant part of me talking about my herniated discs, which is the burden I will carry with me for the rest of the course of BravoCon. Just wondering how awkward would this be to just hear a random stranger on a plane talking about her herniated maybe honestly it's entertainment you know there's a hundred movies available maybe just want to hear the journey of my fucked up back but um shout out to the water and ice because I do think that helped quite a bit um and it really did feel like Bravo Con Air I was like the fact that I am here with Bravo Lebs and then there are other Bravo fans posting about the Bravo Lebs so that's how I was able to find out there were people I knew on the flight because we were all separately posting about Bravo people. I mean, you haven't lived until you've walked through an airport en route to BravoCon wearing Lala Kent merch. Okay, it's a miracle like anything else in life. So um, thanks to Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo, we are sharing. We got a little upgrade. So we're sharing a two bedroom at a hotel that's like not close to the venue, but quiet, which is wonderful. Um, So Thursday night, last night, technically, uh, I was going to see Amy Phillips' show, which I've seen before. Highly, highly recommend that you see it if and when she's in your area. It's impeccable and extremely funny, but was running late from the flight and everything else. So I hauled ass to go to downtown Las Vegas. And once again, have never been to Vegas in the entirety of my life, but went to see her. And it, the, the, neighborhood of environment of some aspects of downtown Las Vegas, just to give, honestly, you know, in the way that Aaron in a confessional was like, here's a fact, just a blah, blah, blah. You know, my fact is an opinion and welcome to Andy's girls. Um, my opinion is a fact. I It felt a little bit like a scene from a certain Pedro Pascal series that I like to think of as The Last of Us. It, it was giving me a little bit of an av- abandoned kind of like mall journey, just like all of the buildings, which I don't know. I don't, I'm not gonna, it just was a, it was an interesting 
experience, the area that I was in looking for the theater, which was great. Um, and Amy, of course, glowing, impeccable. Um, she's doing, I think, essentially all sold out shows, streaming available, could not more highly recommend it. But just journeying through B- Vegas solo at that point, having traveling on like no sleep, no idea where I was, it took me a second to really get my shit together. But that's where content creators come in because we travel in packs. So the second I walk into a room and I'm like, oh my God, this person, this person, this person, all great minds, hanging out with Ronnie from Watch Crappens, who's an angel sent from heaven above, who I hadn't met in person prior which was great. And I saw some other Bravo podcasters have obviously hung out with Ryan Bailey, who you guys know, just, you know, went gambling with Dylan Hafer, um, the Bravo docket ladies, you know, Danny and I said hi to each other really quickly, but I was like running like a bat out of hell, pretending that bats spent a lot of time in hell, I guess, more of a cave situation, shall we say. Um, so it's it's just been really great to see people who you don't ordinarily get the chance to see because not only do many of us live on coasts separate from each other, but also the act of podcasting specifically is a relatively isolating experience when it comes to booking guests, trying to figure out what the fuck it is you're going to talk about, especially for a uh, stream of consciousness conversation. It's, you know, getting the edits done, which you guys know I'm a heavy edit on these episodes. But the the thing about BravoCon that is almost overwhelming is how communal the experience is. And you guys know very much how I feel about the idea of guilty pleasures being something that can bring so much value. Why experience it or add an opinion of it needing to um, include an element of shame or guilt. And especially with women-focused narrative storytelling, there are experiences and landscapes when it comes to communities that are not put through the lens of guilt in the ways that a community like Bravo is. And so you go to an event like BravoCon and you walk in the room and everyone is just so excited. And so it's my third BravoCon, the third BravoCon to be held. 2019 was like an absolute dream. None of us knew what to expect at all. We had no information. And we walked in, the size was perfect. The experience was perfect. It was completely overwhelming. Last year was a little tough at points because it was at the Javits Center. Huge, huge, huge increase in attendance. It was hard to kind of find one's way. And the energy was definitely like turtle time, but Ramona focused. And P.S. May her memory be a blessing because Ramona Singer got disinvited from the ball. Avery, however, is still here because she did... Uh, her um, batch, uh, her not batch, her batch, batch bitch, bitch batch, you know, life's a batch, her bachelorette company. So she's here with that, I, I assume was planning to be here with mom, but mom had other plans, including sending some texts that led to her being consciously uncoupled from BravoCon and also very consciously uncoupled from her real estate gig. She was let go from both. Um, so it was really, uh, it's it's really the experience of going from 2019, which was like just very chill and 
lovely to 2023, which was just a lot. And maybe it was also because we're coming out of peak COVID. Obviously, COVID is still a thing, but we're coming out of like the heights of it. And everyone was so excited to be together. But also there was a lot of I saw people, you know, in plank position, stretched out, trying to survive the Beverly Hills panel and people literally refused to leave. It was just, it was, it felt a little hectic at points that made me, I'm not, I live in a big city, but I'm not great with like huge, huge, huge overwhelming numbers. And I, of people, it just, it sort of makes me a little anxious. So that was a lot. There were obviously incredible moments, but it was also that feeling of like, oh, this is making me feel a little panicky. So coming into 2023, obviously my plans being confirmed very last minute, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, is this going to be, we flew to the other side of the country. Is it going to be a continuation of 2023? The FOMO was so huge. I was like, I just have to be here. Um, And of course, from the content creator perspective, I'm not thinking about it in terms of creating content. I'm thinking about it in terms of like the experience of being in the room with people who understand the value and just pleasure that Bravo can bring and also challenge, right? It's it's nuanced. Um, BravoCon panels aren't structured to be nuanced in the ways that like we have conversations, for example, because it's a performance, it's a live performance. So the Bravo Lebs on stage, the housewives are playing to a crowd. It's not um, the same thing as like a one-on-one conversation or recording, nor should it be. And that certainly came about in some of the panels, some of which I think were more successful than others. And that might have to do with the season that they're coming out of or the actual cast itself. Some of these people are great on TV, but not necessarily performers in that way, which makes them great for TV. Um, But I have to tell you, the energy here, day one, is fantastic. So if you went to BravoCon 2023 and you had a great time, Mazel Tov. If you went to BravoCon 2023 and you were like, oof, this was a lot, or, or sorry, when I'm saying 2023, I mean 2022. If you went last year, apologies, to 2022, it's literally 2 a.m. If you went in 2022 and you're like, this is a lot, I have to tell you, 2023 is like a reset so far. And I don't expect that to change. It just feels like the organization is spot on. There's enough space, which is great. The panels do overlap as well they should, because if they if they didn't, if there wasn't more than one panel at once, it would be a shit show. People need to have the choice and you have to choose between things. It's the only way to ensure I think that these rooms aren't insane. So I've only been to there. I think there are two different panel rooms. I've only been to the like the big, big panel room. and I haven't been to the other one, but I have to tell you the energy here is great. And the thing that is so meaningful to me, meaningful to me more than any other aspect of my experience is having people come up to me and introduce me and tell me that they're AGs. I could literally, I'm so, I'm like, I'm, I'm so dehydrated that I, there's, there's no extra moisture to spare, but I, it makes me emo talking to Andy's girls listeners, seeing you guys and getting the chance to like hear your story and your experience because it is, I think, a reciprocal relationship that we have. There's an exchange here often of trust more than anything else that like, here's, you know, I'm trusting you with like 
potentially personal aspects of my life or of my feelings, my opinion. And it's, it is a little bit of a trust fall exercise. Sometimes I fall to the side, you know, but there is to me, this like special kind of connection that we have because of the ways that we examine and like to talk about Housewives and Bravo and now other forms of TV. Shout out taking it personally. Um, more of that soon. Uh, but Bravo God is taking Bravo precedence right now. But that certainly has been my favorite part of BravoCon in years past and even more now because I just feel like we've been through so much shit. Like, it just is incredible. That's that's the reason to go to BravoCon is to have the chance to, again, I know I've said this before, but like meet the face behind the DM and just have that moment because oftentimes in this episode that I'm recording today, it's like tonight it's this morning it's you know it's like the to try to recap the essence of BravoCon is an incredibly difficult challenge let alone doing that at <laughs> night after a very long first day but I wanted to update you about what I saw the panels that I went to and just thank those of you who I had the chance to meet with on day one, two more days, a lot to come. But to just say that that is the thing that makes BravoCon so valuable. It is quite literally the fans. I know that people are coming in many ways to be up close and personal with folks that they may have followed for a decade, 15 years, however long. But for me, the experience that's incredibly meaningful is to like have a conversation with someone and say, you know, how are we feeling? Gorgita Crunch? Um, tree hugger, what's our energy, what's the journey, and just be able to connect in that way. And the benefit of BravoCon and of people, I think, having their guards down and just being able to like talk and communicate and enjoy each other, it, it feels like a mirage, for lack of a better term, because so often in our world, in the experience of being online, we start from a position or phrasing revolving around toxicity and 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 feeling strength in that. And while certainly everyone, myself included, has had some hot takes, there's just something so wonderful about putting that aside or just remembering the humor and fun of this. Because in the word of words of Kyle Cook, Bravo should be fun. You know, I don't love summer. I'm a more of a fall girl myself. Shout out Nora Ephron. Oh my God, can you imagine if Nora Ephron was on The Real Housewives of New York? May her memory be a blessing. That would have been an incredible journey. But that has really been my favorite part, seeing people, you know, friends, Amy Phillips, Mary Payne, just like a ton of content creators throughout the day and people who I love and respect and admire and meeting AGs. Like there's nothing better than this. And I'm so appreciative to the number of you who've reached out, who've supported, who went to the virtual live show or Patreon AGs. Um have just been incredible in really saying like, I hope you can go to this and it was equal parts so that hopefully we can hear about it, but also to like experience this thing. I'm I'm really thankful and I'm thankful that some of my content creator pals and other folks were like, you, you just have to go. <laughs> and 
<laughs> so that's that's kind of what happened. And you know, some some folks who you guys will know from Zoom episodes of Andy's Girls, I'm excited to record with over the course of um, the rest of the weekend. And then from here, I'm actually going to LA for a couple days and we'll be recording there, which I'm really excited about too. But we need to go back to the schedule from today because there is something that happened that might be a little surprising, but I just need to kind of share my thinking behind it. And there was really, truly no thinking. Um, It was just a gut instinct. This is what needs to happen. So I first looked at the schedule waiting for a cab outside of the Las Vegas airport that I landed um, at. I had not looked at it, not a single point, not once. I registered my little VIP wristband this morning en route to uh, day one of BravoCon. So I did like when you have the BravoCon app, you get to like check exactly what you want to do. So started the day with Ask Andy. Now, as many of you may know, I am in fact a very proud chump, which is the phrase the fandom assigned to um, super fans, also known as honestly fans, uh, listeners of Jeff Lewis Live on Radio Andy on Sirius XM. So the fact that Jeff Lewis was opening BravoCon in conversation with Andy Cohen on the big stage was in fact a little bit of a miracle because it was the best case scenario for me. There, There would have been no better choice than Jeff Lewis because you know it's going to go meticulously off the rails. He will fuck with anyone he's talking to, including the man who's like essentially his employer at Radio Andy, the name of the network on Sirius XM. And he did go out of his way to fuck with Andy over the course of the panel, which was successful at points and certainly unsuccessful at others. Like when he brought up that, do you guys remember that, like, it was a photo or video or whatever of Andy, I think that was released or taken over pride. um, And he was having an intimate moment getting to know someone. And Jeff brought it up and Andy's expression was incredibly displeased at that decision make uh happening and essentially saying like you're not going to shame me for making choices but how dare someone take videos of me at that or photos or whatever of me at that moment i was like oh jeff i think you like really stepped in some shit here um but for because i'm a chump because i'm a super fan of jeff it's you have to kind of ride that line of like knowing when he steps over it, which is what, how he was able to make flipping out and why flipping out was such a huge success for so long until it wasn't. Um, and apparently Jenny is here doing content. Jeff referenced the fact that they will never be friends. And she, I guess, saw him recently at a drive through. They were going to a drive through somewhere in LA and she saw him and tried to leave the drive through, but her car was wedged in the drive through. So she wasn't successfully able to leave. So not only did he see her, but he saw her trying sort of frantically to escape from having to even lay eyes on him and that not being terribly successful. So she's here apparently creating content. So Andy was doing his level best to be like, and maybe one day there will be hope. And Jeff is like, absolutely not go fuck yourself. Um, But sure, why not, boss? Let's see. Um, So the panel was a little hot. I posted videos and reels of a bunch of the panels that I went to, certainly including that one. Turns out Jeff Lewis is extremely not a fan of two housewives. One, Crystal Kong Minkoff, whom he referenced 
I think he said at one point, like, I couldn't even fast forward through Crystal on the first episode because she wasn't on it. He was very sharp about Crystal in a way that I don't totally understand. I don't know where that animosity came from. Obviously, Crystal and Sutton got into it. Jeff's friendly with Sutton, but I don't even know when Jeff became friendly with Sutton. And frankly, if Sutton and Crystal are fine, what's the problem here? But he had a certain vibe toward Crystal that I was like, okay, this is his through line. Because when Jeff focuses on something, there's nothing else that he can do. He will dig and dig and he wants to claw his way to the bone. So that is what he will do. And then like any good Labradoodle, he's going to fucking, you know, run off into the wood with that and have his merry way. So he certainly did that in referencing Crystal throughout the panel, but also Monica. So I posted a bunch of videos on my Instagram. And also there was an announcement that Bravo and Peacock or essentially Peacock through Bravo are going to be releasing streams for some some of the panels, but I think the big ones. Um, if the Ask Andy with Jeff and and Andy, lol, uh, spoiler alert, who was the person being asked? If that is released, I would recommend watching it and honestly just watch watching everything. Why not? Um, but he had some thoughts about Monica that were extremely sharp, referencing the fact that she was not wealthy, but not only that, mocking the fact that she once needed um, support for the ability to buy groceries. Like he just, it was snide in a way that I thought, okay, this is the path he wants to go down. But then when I rewatched the video that I took, because you're so in the zone that it's like, you're not really focusing on people's expressions. He was his eyes looked aggressive in a way where I'm like, oh, again, he's chewing that fucking bone where he himself gets so into it. He's so in the zone that he can't see outside of his opinion. His opinion is fact. And that is like feelings are not fact. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it is tough in those moments sometimes to watch him, not even necessarily because of the opinions being expressed. And that's an absolute privilege for me to say that. I'm sure Monica would have a difference of opinion there. But just in the anger or frustration or it's really not arrogance. It's like it's vested trust, I think, in his opinion being the right way or in disbelief that anybody would feel differently. He gets, he latches on. It's what makes him so incredible on the radio, for example, and obviously on reality TV. He's hyper, hyper focused and hyper aware. But when he's talking about Bravo sometimes, and certainly things that are not Bravo, he's so hyper focused and hyper aware of his reality and how he feels that I think it can be hard for him to listen to other perspectives. And if you are also a Trump, uh, Trump, lol, if you are also, we're just going to keep on marching by that. If you are also a Trump, you should know that Megan, I ran into Megan and Doug at one point, have never met them before, but I'm obsessed with both. And I like, they were lost looking for a seat at a panel and I didn't have two seats available, but I ran up and I was just like, listen, as a chump, I feel like I need to help you. There's nothing I can provide for you, but I just want to let you know that I see you and I'm so glad that you're here. 
Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen 
is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered home threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. But during the panel, Jeff most assuredly did point to Megan. There's some awkwardness or something that's happening on the radio. Jeff is positioning her in a way that I don't love and essentially said to her, we're going to talk about our the future of our friendship later. He he truly called that to her from the stage, from the first panel of this three-day bajillion person event, which is very Jeff Lewis. So back to Monica, Andy obviously had some thoughts, um, including the fact that like, you know, everyone here disagrees with you or the vast majority of people do, which was certainly felt in the audience reaction. And he had some other hot takes. He was really positive about, Jeff was really positive about New York, which certainly Andy appreciated. There are Q&As at every um, panel uh, that I'm aware of. And one of the Q&As was a... um, fan who asked Andy, you know, do you have any kind of response on Bethany and the reality reckoning, which I also posted on Instagram. And Jeff immediately tried to shift conversation and topics. He was like, we're done with this. Uh, Moving on. Uh, Next question. And the person sort of, um, you know, nevertheless, she persisted. And (laughs) which might be the title of this app. And Andy said, essentially, listen, there's value and positivity and whatever else. And he had, you know, the kind of statement you would expect Andy to say, but he says it with such commitment. And he is genuinely so charming that I think it went well. And I think it's going to trigger Bethany Frankel to the absolute moon and beyond because he positioned his response to be like, my reality is that I think that there's a lot of value in this community. And I don't believe that it's you know, an agent of doom and doom alone. And Bethany has kind of stepped in it unsurprisingly on her podcast and on social of late. She was very upset, uh, I guess, about the fact that Ebony in the Vanity Fair piece told her to go fuck herself. So Bethany reposted a DM that Ebony sent her in quite literally 2020, which was like, thanks for all of your good work, like peace sign or something. So Bethany reposted it as if to say, because this person once, I don't know, supported my charity work, they owe me support or it's, we can't carry more than one opinion at a time. So if you said a friendly hello to Bethany Frankel 25 years ago, you don't have the right to disagree with her because you're a hypocrite. And that didn't really go well for her because Ebony dragged her to hell and it was um, honestly a great response. Um, and essentially Ebony directly referencing the the timeline. Bethany then also took to her podcast <laughs> And said something along the lines of like, here are housewives, including Erica Jane and and a few others who have said they wouldn't participate in the reality reckoning so they don't support women, which was a fascinating take because she directly named Candy Burris and said that Candy doesn't support women because she doesn't support 
my media campaign that started with a TikTok several months ago or a couple months ago. Again, an interesting take. I don't remember Bethany supporting women when Candy was doing a lot of internal work from her position with the network, especially in 2020, to support Black talent, crew members, members of production, which, you know, spoiler alert, does also include women. It's fascinating that Bethany's new position is to not focus on the merit necessarily of the Vanity Fair piece, or rather not only focus on that, but to attempt to say that people who are currently employed by the network don't support women because they're unwilling to potentially go on the record or not with what is in and of itself a media campaign, not to say that it won't do good work. I mean, it's certainly, I would assume, maybe going to come up again. I don't know entirely what that response would be. I was surprised. I don't remember Ramona being addressed at all. I don't remember if anyone asked a question relating to Ramona at the Ask Andy, and it sort of says something that she wasn't, not in a, in a negative way to the fact that it wasn't asked, but I don't know that people have a lot of questions about the fact that like she should not have been there. And so she was not. With Bethany, the positioning of this of like, if you behave differently than I do right now at this moment, regardless of what are, whatever I've said in the, on the record in the past, you are not support you are not a a member of or a supporter or an ally to a community that you are in as a woman. Like it, it is a wild circumstance because often when we think of the idea of quote unquote women supporting other women, the first woman for Bethany that she has supported has always been herself. And I don't take that in any way as a way to like drag her, say it in a derogatory sense, but also to say that why aren't other people allowed to do that? Like, why is it not possible for someone on the inside of the network to attempt to make good from within? She has no idea of seemingly what's going on. Or if she does, she has no interest in allowing a little bit of nuance. And I think that is an unfortunate reality. I don't know how she's going to respond to Andy's thoughts on the reality reckoning, if at all. But my guess is, is that she's going to have some feedback. But I think the importance here is that, you know, there was a question at the Andy Q&A about the reality reckoning. And I think that people have an interest in in hearing more about how the network plans to move forward while also saying the root of this community is more layered and nuanced than sometimes that other narrative is giving it credit for, which isn't to take away from any harmful behavior or anything else that's been exhibited or has existed as a result of a seemingly toxic environment. It is also to say, though, that there is still value that this world can bring and certainly opportunity to improve the experience of it um, for participants, for people who are working on the shows and are part of the talent for the shows. I think there's obvious room for growth and there have been incredibly challenging times that the network hasn't um, addressed uh, in the way that it should have been, that it hasn't been as responsible. 
for members of its own community when it comes to viewers or, again, members of the crew, production or leadership even. And it is a little bit of a wait and see in that sense. I think it there's not an issue to me in like pushing the network to do better. I certainly have done that in past um, special episodes and beyond when it comes to AG. But I also think that this weekend is a little bit of a reminder of like, there's a reason that we are pushing for progress because we want this to be um, a positive community. Noting <laughs> that this is not based on like, DLC and I don't mean the network that it's there's fun here to be had and it's not necessarily about when we're watching these panels of people again it's a performance but also who do you think is going to get the most attention someone who has a certain something to say um and so for me the experience of being here has been honestly one day in has been really meaningful because I think when we get inside of our own little bubble of like focusing on certain elements of Bravo, it's easy to spin out, especially when you hear these stories and when there's an expectation of these big explosive pieces coming out, which I think has people a little bit, you know, bated breath, but also a little anxious of like, what the fuck are we about to find out next? And how could it be worse than what Bravo itself has promoted as entertainment? I mean, Black Shabbat, given a to be continued of like, guess what? Guess what you'll see next week? More of this. Yay! I think that this weekend, for me, in in addition to what I said earlier, for me, the importance here is just kind of returning to like, the enjoyment part of it, which a person can lose at points, especially if you are recording and doing all of this other stuff, there are certainly times in which I need to like take a moment, catch my breath and remember that I I love Bravo. I love talking about it. I love talking to other people about it. And this was that kind of reminder to myself. And regardless of what Bethany says or does, regardless of how you feel about her, I think, again, the lesson here is that you can push for conversation and nuance, but also remember the reasons why you're doing that. In addition, obviously, to like basic safety for people involved and wanting to make sure that there is support for people involved. It's also to say that, again, Bravo should be fun. And that really, truly was the energy coming out of certainly the rest of the day. So after Ask Andy, um, I kind of wandered around the Bravo. Um, I don't know if it was, it wasn't Bravo Palooza, but it was just kind of like the big area where there was a Bravo museum and some other stuff. Um, some like sort of photos and videos that you can do. I didn't sign up for any photo um, opportunities. And apparently, I guess it was maxed at one. I know Mary Payne and I got into that on a recent episode. So I didn't sign up for any of that because I really honestly am here for the panels when it comes to content. Although I do want to try some of like the video where you can like, you know, do your own little pose and have like a housewives confessional moment and do the kind of maybe Vanderpump rules turn or whatever, which I did in 2019, but not 2022 because the lines were too insane. So I kind of wandered around with friend of the pod, uh, Dame Brian Moylan, who killed it at the Summer House panel, highly, highly, highly anticipated, which I will get to in a second. Um, so we just kind of wandered around, saw Jessel's Tank, or rather Jessel's Tank, saw our um, our beloved Jessel Tank's 
Christmas dress. Jessel wasn't here today, nor was Jenna Lyons. Um, and so there, I think there are questions that people have about like the, what the future of New York will look like. Hopefully I think fingers crossed it will be with the full cast intact. What I did love about what Jeff said to Andy was that he was commending him on New York and essentially said, you know, like I love the OGs. I wasn't feeling optimistic about this and you guys hit it out of the ball out of, uh, out of the park and don't change anyone in the cast. Um, and so my guess is that like maybe they'll add to it, but I hope that they don't remove. Um, And then there are these like little moments where you hear a scream or someone's coming around the turn or they're going into the Bravo Bazaar, which is where housewives sell merch. You can like, I think, I think it's a buy-in where you like buy a little booth or whatever. And then you have the opportunity to sell merchandise and she buys joggers and whatever else is going on. So we wandered around um, a little bit and just got to kind of meet um, folks and do a little meet and greet. And then before you know it, it was time for the next panel. Now, we did, you know, a little wander and everything else. And I, when I looked at the schedule for that two seconds, I saw that there was going to be a little bit of a time in conflict. Now, I, I think this might be surprising for people, but I just have to be very honest. My instinct, and some of this is also based on memories from the prior season, which is what it is. But listen, 1235 today, serving it up with the latest Vanderpump Rules was beginning. And then at 1.15, the way we OC it. And my gut instinct immediately, which I did not deter from, not for a single second, was to go to Vanderpump Rules. And you know I hashtag stand for Shan. Obviously, she just got sentenced to 30 days. I want to say 30 days of probation. She just got sentenced to probation. The prosecutors wanted jail time. It's more than 30 days. The prosecutors wanted jail time. She's not you know, she's going through it right now. So you would think because of that, because Orange County had a fantastic season, that I would be leaning in the way of of seeing my Queen Shan and maybe giving her nine lemons or a bowl, neither of which I have in this hotel. But spiritually, just, you know, from a vibe perspective, what I would give her with my eyes, just love and support and, you know, little side eye, just like, how are we doing? How's everything going? Um, but I did not do that. I absolutely went to Vanderpump Rules because I wanted to see the energy there. There were two must-dos for me. One was Vanderpump Rules and the other was Summer House. And I was happy to be at both. And again, the difference here in seating and everything else, I don't think it's as, it certainly not wasn't day one. We'll see what happens with day two. Saturday might be a little nuts. But getting seats was not difficult. I was front row at Atlanta, front row center at Atlanta, front row center at Summer House. Um, and Vanderpump Rules, we were very, very close to the stage on the left. And the energy was just nuts. Obviously, Tom Sandoval was going to get booed. He knew it. We knew it. Everybody on stage knew it. It absolutely happened. He was honestly understandably frustrated with some of the questions, which included, and I posted this video, someone during the Q&A saying, why are you here? You should have just quit your job and gone away. Quite literally sent that to his face. Now, one of my concerns going into BravoCon was like, how shady are these questions going to be? I actually thought people were pretty generous and kind with their questions to the cast. Tom, though, doesn't do himself any favors. And there were moments, 
first off, he did um, like a push up contest with James Kennedy without their shirts on, which how why is this happening? What is happening? Um, James won and it took forever. I've literally was like five minutes went by and they're doing push up contests to see like who's the more built buff guy. I don't even know. It was an odd moment actually started by the fact that Andy himself asked the first question <laughs> at the VPR panel when it came to audience Q and A's because he wanted to know how James and Tom Sandoval got so whatever muscular, I guess. And that inspired their little um, competition, shall we say, on the floor without their shirts on. Um, but certainly the energy, unsurprisingly, was pretty negative against Sandoval. He did have some booze. When he first walked out, I don't remember there being a huge noisy whatever, but that absolutely continued through the course of the panel to the extent that, uh, to the point that at one point, Lala essentially said, you know, he's uh, he's being nicer to you than I would as in the audience. She's like, I would have told you to go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like, this is a lot. And Lala actually was pretty quiet through much of the panel, I was thinking like, is her mic not on? Like, what is happening here? Why isn't she communicating? And she was just a little more quiet into herself, although I think she kind of became more expressive as the panel went on. James was treated, I mean, evidently, she's Madonna. James Kennedy it was, my God, treated like a god. Every opportunity that I saw him from the VPR panel to a taping tonight, which was absolutely incredible. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about when I get the AOK, um, because I'm not sure how much info I can share. Um, but it was an amazing evening. Um, so there were moments where I was just kind of watching Ariana's expression, talking about essentially trying to get this fucking house situation. She's not living there right now. I think she said because of Dancing with the Stars. I don't totally remember if that's accurate, but um, she absolutely had some feels about the fact that she feels or and believes and knows that Tom never still has not apologized to her for having um, a little bit of an affair, shall we say, um, for a long time. Uh, that she has not received an apology from him that didn't come with a but, that there has not been an unconditional, I fucked up, I'm so sorry. And then um, Karamo, who moderated the VPR panel and did a fantastic job, he also moderated last year's Salt Lake panel, which was my number one favorite panel of the weekend. Unfortunately, we lost out on Salt Lake having a panel this year, allegedly because it's too close to the timing of... Um, their reunion, which I thought was ridiculous because uh, it would have been wonderful. Um, but all that being said, Karamo did an incredible, incredible job with VPR. But you could just see in Ariana's expression the frustration and anger that she absolutely has every right to, to continue to feel forever and ever. Amen. Um, and then Tom's response was like, no comment or, you know, let's move, move it quite along that he just doesn't have capacity to give her what she needs and or deserves, which is why he's Tom. I mean, there were moments where there was like a look of just 
sort of pain on Schwartz's face, I think, not only with the questions being asked to Tom, but at one point he was like, don't feed into the trolls. But also, I think just being in that position and maybe having a little bit of a realization of like, some of this isn't going anywhere. Um, Katie, meanwhile, speaking of all things Tom, meaning Schwartz, uh, had some moments and was a little bit punchy at points and also told her ex-husband that he looked like he was wearing a couch and she was entirely correct. The pattern of the shirt was maybe not the best. He did have to respond <laughs> in one of his uh, answers and say, I don't look like I'm wearing a couch because um, his shirt pattern was just a, it was just a little bit of a journey. It was a lot. There was also a moment during the Q&A when uh, someone asked Schwartz what he learned through his divorce and he could not come up with an answer. He asked other people to tell him what to say. He literally said, does anyone else like essentially have an answer? Which is wild. And so the person asking the question was like, grow a pair. That's what you should be learning, that you need to stand up for your partner that you sh- you should know that like essentially I-, I mean the way i was interpreting it was like how how could he not know that by now that that does not seem like a big a shocking question to be asked and you know he's been through a divorce for i'm sure many reasons but one of them was because he didn't stick up for his wife you would think he would remember that like the lesson would be gosh i'm going to start doing that from now on Maybe he couldn't figure that out because he doesn't agree with it, but it was a a real world representation of this like, oh, shock style, hate to say it, but like toxicity, not humble brag, but false sense of humility that's wrapped up in a a dork ability. It was not great for Schwartz. Um, And I am also curious about what is going to happen with Schwartz and Sandy's how that is doing, how that's really doing. You know, it's one of those places where I could see there being crowds, maybe, LOL, of people going to check it out, but not necessarily staying for a drink. I don't know if it has developed an audience of, you know, patrons who feel like regulars there. And is Sandoval allowed there? Like, what what is the future of that going to be? Maybe it'll be covered on Vanderpump Rules. I posted a preview of season 11 that they had. Um, there were a couple previews shown at a few of these panels, which I always appreciate. Um, but VPR in and of itself was, I thought it was good. I mean, just to see the tension, it wasn't change your life. It wasn't like Salt Lake City from last year, but I really genuinely thought that they did a good job. And I know, again, it might be shocking that I didn't go to Orange County and I didn't see Shan. I just felt like every part of me was like, I have to go to Vanderpump Rules. The same part of me said, I have to be at Summer House. I was so thankful and thrilled to be front row to see Lindsay and Carl on stage together, um, Danielle and Lindsay at one point holding uh, holding hands to support Linz while they have to address the elephant in the room, which is they had not they have not seen each other since the breakup until that very moment on stage. And Lindsay certainly, uh, while surely very upset, was able to be in seemingly like very in control of herself and and obviously both of them are upset and likely have anger toward each other and maybe themselves. Carl did not he talked about 
obviously how important him important sobriety is to him. He's coming out with a non-alcoholic line with um with Loverboy. He just seemed tired and sad in a way that was sad to see. Um obviously sobriety is number one most important to him. And what was really nice during the Q&A was someone making a point of saying how incredible it is to follow his story and how they fully support him and to see him get that kind of encouragement because I can't imagine, regardless of what actually happened, and we will see how that plays out next season, the kind of stress that both of these people are under. And the reports of how much that fucking you know, apartment costs. My God, I guess he's just kind of like bouncing between places. She has the place to herself. But the rent is I forget the number. It's like 14,000 or 17,000 a month. That is a ridiculously large sum. Um, So I don't know what is going to happen there. It's not like they are homeowners, like what happened with Scandival stuff, but uh, and obviously a very different circumstance. But To even think of the ways that they're going to be doing press for the upcoming season and the fact that we really, truly saw Carl look at Lindsay on stage, just even kind of like glancing at her. And God, it's such a mess. It is such a mess and something that I think some people were nervous about because of the ways that they went all in. And I get why if you feel that you and if you quite literally have fallen in love with your best friend, the ways that you could understandably want to, you know, press fast forward. And unfortunately, fast forward continued, including when Carl wanted to press stop. And that can be, I mean, traumatizing to go through that kind of breakup and then have to do essentially a press event with your ex. That's what you sign up for when you're in your when you're on reality TV, but it is also a reminder that when it comes to certain shows where, as I said at the beginning of this LOL 20-minute episode that's at almost an hour, when it comes to um, certain panels, there are people who are born performers. And I think of that with a large aspect of VPR, certainly, obviously, Atlanta. I went to that panel um, today. I didn't stay for all of it because I started to not feel terribly well. So I had to skadoodle off to a lounge to get ice water and electrolyte stuff. But I'm always prepped. But, um, you know, regardless of Atlanta, which I think was in a little bit of a difficult spot because of not having the best season it's had, but obviously having a superstar cast. Uh, Minus Drew was not there. (laughs) The fact that I referred to her as a superstar is hilarious, but um, uh, she is a star and we know it. Um, You know, these are incredible, incredible cast members on one of the most successful and uh, creative and energetic franchises of any franchise on Bravo. But the panel itself wasn't necessarily giving in the way that I would expect, but these people are performers. Versus Summer House, where the whole point of Summer House is these are seemingly real people who party hard. And so when it comes to a panel, they're going to have more of a conversation, which is great, but it's just going to be 
a different energy, for example, than a housewives panel where there are seasoned vets, regardless of whether or not someone's an OG, and they understand how to deliver from a performance aspect than people from potentially um, Summer House. And it was still a really good panel, but just to say that they are closer to normal, if you know what I'm saying, than housewives. I don't know that that is really shocking to anybody. Honestly, the closest comparison between a Summer House cast member and a housewife would be Lindsay Hubbard, who someone during the Q&A said, essentially, I would like you on Real Housewives of New York. How do we make that happen, please? She's obviously extremely open to it. One could argue that the breakup could push forward the potential for that that may not have been as realistic prior, but also it may not be realistic even a little bit at all. So, um, not entirely sure what is going to happen there. But in the meantime, I think there are going to be a continued questions about what the fuck? I mean, like I, Carl and Linz, it's like, this is just going to keep on going in waves. And obviously, Kyle is not terribly thrilled with a recent interview that Lindsay gave where she dragged him and, you know, some other folks. And he essentially said, during the panel that like he didn't know why he was involved in this. And there's that element to the friendship and breakup because of some nemesis style energy between Linz and Kyle. Um, She did mention that the women in the cast are really getting along. She went on a friendship date with Paige, I guess, over the course, I think it was during filming and they have gotten along really well. Paige did not participate as much as one might potentially expect, which I was a little bit surprised by, Surprised by, but also, again, Lindsay and Carl. It's the reason that I was so excited to be there. And again, could use to Brian Moylan, who absolutely killed it in a great job, did a great job. I wish I had a lot to say about the Atlanta panel. Um, obviously, all-stars, Kenya Moore, hair care forever. There was one point where they were sharing their favorite, you know, catchphrases. Everybody but I think Sonia. Oh, no, Sonia had one referencing being an Olympian because, I mean, my God, I would a noun verb. Olympian. I would do that every moment of my life if I had Sonia's illustrious career. Like, good for her. But um, it just was a little bit more, not mellow, but just a little bit, I don't know. The moderator was incredible. She did such a good job. She was driving the train perfectly. She was so funny, so quick. And I loved that um, X Mayo, I believe is her name. Um, So I was really, really into the job that the moderator did because I just really found myself just so delighted with seeing someone that was so quick and snappy and funny and um, found that incredibly helpful. Um, But when it comes to the most recent season, I mean, like, what are you going to say? Like Candy and Marlo, they're doing okay. Um, Marlo and Marlo seems to be doing great. Candy said that Mama Joyce and and um, Todd are getting along because there were several months where they were not because of comments that Mama Joyce made about Candy's husband at the last BravoCon. So, you know, tension between Mama Joyce and Todd, who would have thought it? 
Um, and so, and, you know, Candy, egotting, like, there was stuff that was said that was like, great, love these women, was not my favorite panel. Um, But uh, you know what I honestly think a part of that was, and this is the thing that I was really shocked by, and I don't have uh, an explanation for it, except that maybe people were just kind of going in and out. It wasn't a filled room, because I had extra seats in the front row with people who, for people who couldn't make it, understandably so, but also like I had the same kind of energy for Atlanta than I had for any other Housewives franchise minus Dubai, which is not my cup of Dubai. Um, They're doing a great promotional job on Instagram stories uh, to encourage uh, people not to watch and caduce to them for that. Uh, A winning, a winning team. Um, But I, uh, meeting the cast members, some of whom have crossed some lines with some jokes that they're making on social and things. Um, but, um, circling back to Atlanta, to my favorite peaches, I just was kind of surprised. I think that really had an impact in the energy. And again, the women were incredible, but it was just a smaller crowd for the largest space than I anticipated. There was a moment where I was like, Honestly, I felt kind of like disrespected on their behalf. I mean, this is the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, show up and be loud and proud. My God. Um, But also, I don't know. It was not the height of Atlanta panels that I've seen. I would say the height was probably 2019 when Portia was wheeled out because she fucked up her foot or ankle and then had to be sort of um, picked up and dropped on onto her couch. And it was just, it was a queen had arrived. Um, Andy talked about on Ask Andy, I think the question, I don't remember if it was posed by Jeff or someone during the Q&A, but it wa- the question was, you know, has there ever been a housewife who has been able to, through the course of her reunion performance, uh, stop a firing from taking place? And Andy said, Portia Williams, that she was the way that she stuck up at that point for her marriage to Cordell and her performance at the reunion really sparked um, an interest, a glimmer in production's eye to really keep her, that she was in a position where it was likely she wasn't going to be asked back. And remembering the 2019, the just like brightness and joy of the 2019 Atlanta panel, there was an element of that that was missing. And maybe that's really a little bit of a question mark right now with casting for Atlanta, because, you know, I care about the women on stage, but also the casting isn't quite wasn't quite right this season. The storytelling wasn't what I've grown accustomed to. That I think there's a really high bar for Atlanta and understandably so. And I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. But even in talking about this out loud, it really does occur to me that I think what the reason that the panel didn't hit is the reason that the season didn't hit. They need more women and some sort of additional energy. I don't know what that is. I'm thankful to not be in casting because, my God, the challenge with so many of these shows when it comes to one great move or one bad one, um, you know, I'll look at Orange County. I mean, Jen has been incredible, I think, for the cast that she's been just the right fit. And I think for Atlanta, they just need more women. Like, we need 
more women. I would say the same thing with New York potentially. And who knows what's going to happen with New Jersey with the um, panels being split once again. Allegedly, Jackie Gold, I don't even think it's alleged. Jackie Goldschneider has now swapped out and is going to be at the panel with Teresa and Jen Aiden. So what the fuck is going on with her and Melissa? If anything, there are rumors that they're not getting along, which is and and other rumors that she's not getting along with Marge and the Marge and Jackie dynamic, I don't entirely understand. I guess it has something to do with her book, but questions about her book and did she give an advance to Marge or something? I'm sure we'll hear about it over the course of the weekend. But the Melissa aspect, I did not in any way anticipate and was talking to Jackie about her friendship with Melissa during the um, podcast we recorded in the Clawfist and after. So to hear that maybe there's tension that Listen, I as a total outsider, just I'm a little bit flummoxed by it. I really did not anticipate seeing their relationship being put into a position where she wouldn't be on the same panel because things were not great. It's really genuinely, truly surprising to me. Um, so Atlanta, after Atlanta, I went to the VIP room, which is or lounge rather. Captain Jason, by the way, the bell of the ball um, has been referenced repeatedly over the course of the weekend is in fact, very, very attractive. Uh, so he was there's this like VIP lounge. And last year, there were three tiers SVIP where you had like your own private lounge and people um, Bravo folks would come in and out, then VIP, then general admission. This year, they made the absolute right decision to eliminate SVIP, bump VIP up to that, and then have general admission, which is the right call. Because I think if you ask anyone who was VIP last year, they were just like, I don't know the difference between this and GA, and then SVIP has everything else. So uh, this year, two levels, right call. VIP had a VIP lounge. And apparently there are, I was only in there for sort of a short amount of time, all things considered, but there are Bravo Lebs who are just, who just kind of magically appear in VIP over the course of the day. So when I walked in, Captain Jason was there greeting every woman in America and parts beyond um, he really, truly seems lovely and is just so fucking attractive. And I saw him multiple times through the course of the day. And it's just one of those things. I don't need to chat with him. I just want to stare at him for a minute and remind myself that I really, truly need to go back to watching Below Deck, just his stuff, maybe. But I also heard sailing is good. And I saw I did see Glenn. I can't remember if it was in the VIP lounge or elsewhere. I think his name is Glenn, but he also seems like a delight. Um, but again, back to Captain Jason, just my God, just a wonderful. I'm sure he's a kind, lovely man. I can tell that in his eyes. I'd love to tell him that in person. <laughs> Although I wasn't able to in VIP because I really, truly needed to get electrolytes into my body and try to figure out how to pour a bucket of salt <laughs> into my brain. Um, so after, uh, after leaving the VIP, Bravo, Bravo ducking, Bravo and I went for a little bit of a stroll and then I got ready for the Bravos, which I'm really excited to talk about with you guys. I have a bunch of video behind the scenes video and photos. And what I will say is, um, I, it's, uh, tickets, we had tickets and it, you know, it's, um, sort of, uh, 
theaters uh, seating. So you had a reserved seat. And so on my ticket, I saw FF. So I assumed it was going to be a huge, huge theater like the one from 2023, which I also referenced as, uh, sorry, the one from 2022, I mean, which I also referenced accidentally as 2023. It is now 3 a.m. in the morning, by the way, as I'm recording this. So I, um, so I thought FF meant that like, you know, the seating, it starts with the full alphabet and then you go into the doubles. I was wrong. So just to say as a little bit of a to be continued, um, it was not that it was the full alphabet and that I was in sort of the back of the theater, which I would have been very, very happy with and just a delight to be in the room where it happens. No, I was actually A, B, C, D, E. I, I don't even know if it started with A. I was fifth row, I want to say. And the fourth, the first four rows were all Bravo Labs. So I was in the row directly behind the cast of Miami, among others, uh, Southern Charm, Southern Hospitality. Um, and it was really a night to remember. I mean, it was truly insane. It, incredible. They did a fantastic, fantastic job. It's going to be an hour long episode. I couldn't more highly re recommend watching it and not just because I think you can um, probably see me in a moment or two and I'm thrilled to bits to see what is likely pink lipstick on my teeth because I like to make a little bit of a mark and it would have been easy to blot, but who has the time for that or the energy for that journey? You really want to stand out in a crowd. And so for me, having Tom Ford ravenous since discontinued pink lipstick everywhere else but my lips is just the journey that I'm on. And listen, these lips are made for talking. And also my feet are allegedly made for walking. So since it is in fact three o'clock in the morning, and this episode will go up at some point before I leave for the second day of BravoCon, I do have to bid you adieu. But that was a little bit of a recap, a five to 60 minute recap exactly in line with what I thought it was going to be, because I wanted to just kind of share a little bit of a your diary, a little bit of a journey into day one. And do you have, are you at BravoCon? Do you have any, um, a rose or a thorn of your day that you want to share? Let me know. Cause I'd love to do a little bit of like a Bravo conversation, um, Patreon special app. Listen, so many photos and videos on my social at Dame Galley. Join the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. Fully recording this with my eyes closed, absolutely about to pass out. So this app you're getting Saturday morning because it's not going to be posted prior to that. It might be a little bit of a late morning. So um, no, it is truly the middle of the night and I am three hours ahead. So it's actually, in fact, six in the morning. Um, but I'm very excited for the next couple days. Please, 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 if you're here for BravoCon and you see me skadoodling around, say hi. I want to hear from you. I want to meet you. I want to thank you for being an AG. I'm so thankful to all of you truly for this community that we've created together and um, to be able to you know, ostensibly, hopefully represent us at uh, a convening as important as this one, because it really truly is. It's meaningful and valuable and fun. And those are ingredients in the words of tree that I mean, as opposed to whoever else, uh, that are sometimes hard to come by. And there's something just 
so wonderful about having the opportunity to just like, fuck it, smile and have a laugh and maybe a little bit of a cackle now and again. Um, and so much more. So thanks to you for listening. I hope that this Bravo convo will continue. Lord knows it will through the rest of the weekend and more. And also, my God, they're trying to destroy us this week. So many new episodes, so many premieres. We will getting be getting back to AG Classic episodes, obviously, but there's just a lot of BravoCon content coming your way. Um, so if that's not your dream, I mean, my God, add it, I guess. <laughs> there's going to be some good talk. There's going to be some good talk. And I'm so happy to um, have the opportunity to record in person with content creators who live on different coasts, aside from the one where New York City is, which is a blast. So guys, thanks so much again for listening. Say it six times. I am quite literally maybe going to sleep directly on top of this microphone and recorder. That just might be my journey for today. But I'm so thankful to be on the other one with you over the course of the next couple of days. And until then, thanks again. And we will chat soon. Bye-bye.